When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market. And listen, I get it. I've been backsliding a little bit here over the past month or so. I think I got one out in December, maybe two in December. I'm not totally positive, but I know it's been like a couple, maybe three weeks since I did like did my last podcast. And yeah, you guys probably are expecting them every Wednesday as I usually do. But hey, new year, new calendar, new decade. I'm sticking with the Wednesday schedule. It doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect at it the whole time. But hey, if I can get 50 podcasts out or so a year, I think I'm doing a pretty darn good job, I would say. So anyways, what are we talking about? Well, guys, what's in the news right now? War. War with Iran, right? Uh, Probably never going to see it happen, but you just never know. There's people, there's actors between the United States and Iran that could, one bad move could throw us right into a uh, major war. World War III? I don't know. I mean, you've got to have a whole bunch of countries fighting, right, To, to have a big world war. may just be an Iran versus U.S. thing if it ever did get to that point. I don't see it. a lot of countries really wanting to throw soldiers at this whole problem. So I really don't see it turning into the World War III like social media keeps talking about. Believe it or not, Trump is, is actually, whether, whatever you think about him, he's doing a pretty good job with his words. Okay, I, I get that he can be kind of a loose cannon on Twitter and everything else and that he can say things. You're like, holy cow. But one, he hasn't called Iran a horse face. He hasn't called him a rocket man or anything else like that. And it kind of be funny if he did. But the other thing is, is that he has been very measured with, with his response to like the attacks on the Iraqi bases yesterday. He did not, um, he didn't go hog wild. So he could have easily launched a whole bunch of missiles and whatever he would have done, he would have had a base that would have supported it. Base would have been like, Hey, bomb him into hell, you know? And you have, but he didn't do that. He could have done that. But he took a more measured approach. And I think a lot of it, too, is he, he doesn't want to rattle the stock market. If you look at the stock market the night before, what was it doing? It was down 50 freaking points. Okay, that's the S&P 500 futures, the, uh, the ES. Down 50-plus points. That's a big deal. And crazy enough, it was in the green this morning trading, okay? Because they started to realize, okay, Trump's probably not going to destroy Iran. He's not going to retaliate. He could. There was no U.S. troops lost, and I think that was the key in the whole thing. The other, the other thing, too, is, is it makes more sense because now he can get more European countries and others that deal with Iran and say, hey, look, instead of going to war with these guys, let's do some sanctions. You'll probably get more people to sign up for that, hoping that that will just stop this whole mess. And Iran's, Iran isn't a mess because of the sanctions. People can't even use credit cards in Iran. I also think, too, that he probably improves his re-election chances because everybody has said that, you know he's the crazy guy with his finger on the button on the nuclear... But and he's got the nuclear football. He could just 
you know, wake up in a bad mood and launch at a bunch of missiles one day. That's what's been said of him for a long time now. But what did he do? He did the exact opposite. He didn't retaliate. He actually showed a lot of calm. He was the bigger person in the room, and he found a way to make peace, and he did that. Ultimately, I don't think he wants war with Iran. I don't think he wants war with anybody right now. He doesn't like it. I mean, if you look at his past Twitter comments over the years, he's he's kind of hated the whole Middle East war thing. And so I think he's trying to avoid it with a passion. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. If he does get reelected, it'll be interesting to see, you know, does the relations ever improve with Iran. So in any case, that's not about this particular podcast only, okay? I'm, I'm trying to get into more of the the history of war in stocks and what tends to happen when the United States goes to war with the country and, and, the, and the stock market fallout. So ultimately, and this is, this is based off of my observations with the stock market and with, with, the, with the returns that the stock market has provided over the years, typically the stock market, the S&P 500, was higher 12 months later in the last nine events that took place in the Middle East. Now, the three instances where the market was lower, it actually coincided with a recession. So you take, you take 9-11, for instance, right? Three months later, we were up 2.5%. Six months later, we were up 6.7%. One year later, the stock market was down 18.4%. But when did 9-11 happen? It happened in 2001. What did the stock market do in 2000? It was down. What did it do in 2001? It was down. What did it do in 2002? It was down. The stock market was in a recession during a three-year period so can you blame the Afghanistan war in 9-11 on the reason why the market was down 18.4% one year later? No, we were, in a, we were in a recession, okay? But when it initially happens, you usually do see some weakness in the market. The market doesn't like uncertainty. It doesn't like knowing whether or not missiles are going to be raining in on the homeland or whether or not oil supplies are going to be disrupted. It doesn't like any of that stuff. It causes fear. It causes people to want to scale back on their positions to, to not hold as many long positions. So when Iran launched missiles into the Iraqi air bases, that freaked the markets out, sent us down you know, about 2% on the NASDAQ, almost 2% on the S&P 500. Why? Because it doesn't like the uncertainty. It didn't know what Trump was going to do next. When it became clear that Trump wasn't going to retaliate by launching some missiles of his own or you know, shooting a whole bunch of, uh, uh, dropping a whole bunch of bombs on, on, on Iran or on their palaces or whatever, the markets calmed down, immediately bottomed and, and took a huge spike up. So what sectors should you focus on? Traditionally, when the market's getting weakened or when there's a lot of panic, people want to go to safe sectors. They want to go to Staples. They want to go like, like Costco or Walmart. They want to go to utilities like NextEra Energy or Duke Energy. They want to go to materials like your, like your gold stocks, right? Or just GLD ETF. They want to go that or they just go cash. With war, those are all in play too. Doesn't mean that they're all going to go up, but a lot of people are going to sell technology. They're going to sell healthcare because these are your these are your growth sectors, right? So they'll they'll sell tech, they'll sell healthcare, they'll sell discretionary, they'll sell. Um, what am I forgetting here? Industrials, okay. But there's a caveat with industrials, defense stocks. Defense stocks are always part of the industrial sector. So when you start seeing the selling in industrial stocks, doesn't mean that stocks like Northrop Grumman, which is NOC, Lockheed Martin, LMT, 
Boeing. Okay. Forget I said Boeing right now because I know Boeing's got planes falling out of the sky all the time and their stock's just been getting whacked a lot. But when planes are not falling out of the sky, Boeing tends to be a good defense stock. Okay. Not right now. Because if you're going to have a war, it doesn't help that you have a plane falling out of the sky too at the same time. Um, but yeah, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, and LHX, which is L3 Harris, local company here in the state of Florida, central Florida area. You're going to want to avoid your high growth stocks in general. You're going to, you just don't want to go play in those kinds of trades because if you're getting into like a small cap biotech, middle of a war, people are going to start selling those growth stocks. Yeah, and you're going to say, what, what, what the hell does biotech have to do with war? Nothing really, okay? But the market's going to sell. They're going to sell when things become overvalued during a time of war. doesn't mean that one year later they won't be higher, okay? And so do you need to sell all of your long-term positions because we're going into a war? No, Otherwise, there would never be a long-term position. There's always going to be volatility, uncertainty, especially when it comes to the Middle East. I'm a firm believer you're never going to see peace in the Middle East. I just don't. I just think it goes back to the biblical times, right? I mean, nobody has ever liked anybody in the Middle East. I don't think Trump, I don't think Obama, I don't think any future president has the ability to broker peace in the Middle East. One of the nicest guys ever, Jimmy Carter, right? You may or may not have voted for him. I wasn't able to vote at that time. I wasn't old enough. The guy seems like a pretty nice guy. I mean, for Pete's sakes, the dude's in his 90s and he's still building homes for Habitat for Humanity, okay? Dude cannot... Pro- <laughs> he doesn't even get close to, to brokering peace in the Middle East. So I don't, I don't ever think that's going to happen. So I always think that there's going to be a level of uncertainty in the Middle East, right? So does that mean you have to sell all of your long-term positions? No, you don't have to sell all of your long-term positions because if we did, you would never have a... You would never have a, a long-term position because there's always war. There's always conflict. So you can't let a, a possible war be a reason why you sell all your long-term positions because that's just foolish. It's, it's just part of the human condition. You're always going to have war, and it's always going to have some kind of bearing on the stock market, whether it involves the United States, whether it involves Syria, Iran, Iraq, Kuwait, Russia, anybody, okay? You just go back through time. There's always going to be war. It's always going to be on the market. Overall, the market tends to price it in fairly well over the course of a year because 75% of the time over the last 12 conflicts, the stock market's up higher during that time. So if you have some high beta stocks, some stocks that have a lot of volatility, maybe you were wanting to make a long-term position out of it. You're just not sure in the short term whether or not that's ideal because in the short term, there is some stock market jitters that can send prices lower. Maybe you get rid of those. But if you got it like a long term, you've been holding, let's say you've been holding McDonald's for 20 years. Does that mean that you go ahead and get rid of McDonald's? No, you don't get rid of McDonald's. Okay. McDonald's is, McDonald's is going to be around. Okay. It's not going to uh, hit the ash heap of history because, because of a war with Iran. Okay. Maybe if there's, I don't know, maybe if there's uh, McDonald's in Iran, maybe, maybe they'll be targeted. Who knows? I don't know. But in any case, don't, don't get too worked up about selling all of your long-term positions because of war and because you think that that the stock market's going to crash. So let's go back in history. Let's go check out some of the more historical times where the stock market has uh, seen some, some major wartime conditions. Take the Pearl Harbor attack, December 7th, 1941. Market drops 3.8%. Total drawdown was about 20%. It took over 143 days 
for the market to bottom in 307 days to recover. You got to remember, we're coming out of the Great Depression here. It was war that brought us out of the Great Depression. So that, that that's probably one of the most extreme examples you're going to see. Another one would be back in the 1990s, August 2nd, 1990, the Iraq invasion of Kuwait. Uh, it dropped 1.1% that day and then uh, saw almost a 17% pullback. Rarely do you ever find a stock market that won't react at least that very next day negatively to, this, to a um, major war outbreak. I think the only one was the Yom Kippur War back in 1973. Finished up 0.3%. You also had the Suez Crisis up 0.3%. Outside of that, you just don't have a lot a lot of others. Lon London subway bombing, that was up 0.9%. Was that really a war? No, it was just a major geopolitical event, and the stock market reacted. Yeah, there's some, there's some pretty big drawdowns that also happened thereafter as well. But ultimately, the stock market tends to recover, and at least in the case of the last 9 out of the last 12 times, it does recover within the year. Now, when you take the, the Iran crisis here, where they, they launched missiles into the Iraqi airbase, Will we consider that in the grand scope of history a geopolitical event? And and when, when we're trying to figure out what did the stock market do thereafter? Yeah, I think probably so. And if you look at the stock market today, it's doing actually phenomenally well. Even if I, as I type this, it's up 0.7%. It'll be one of the best reactions to a geopolitical event we've ever seen outside of the London subway bombing that I just mentioned. So should we be all that worried about this particular event here? No, I don't, I don't really think you should because, like I said in the beginning comments of this podcast, Iran and U.S., they both actually seem like they're trying to save face with their, pop, with their own people, but they're also trying to make sure that neither side does anything else. I, I think if they wanted to, they could have probably hit some major interests of the United States there in the Middle East. They could have gone after some uh, oil interests. They could, have, they could have hit some allies like Israel. But they didn't. They seem to have actually... Purposely missed the airbase. They just tried to get it close enough so that the the headlines would read the airbases were bombed. And ultimately, how the market how the market does, it's going to depend on the economy itself. Right now, the economy is very strong, in part because we got the Fed doing the not QE four, even though it's QE four. That's helping out the market. You have the trade war with China having been wrapped up, taking a lot of headline risk off the table. Iran, of course, is a new piece of headline risk kind of seems like today at least in the very very short term it might be off the table so that's going to do it for today if you have any questions feel free to email me ryan at shareplanner.com there's a lot of new changes to shareplanner especially with uh, what used to be called the splash zone the splash zone is now called the trading block to be honest i didn't quite like the name the splash zone it happened back in 2010 2011 when it was first launched shareplanner was launched back in 2007 but that came about 2010, 2011, I think 2011, and um, just wasn't a big fan of it. So I've changed the format around of it a little bit more, but for the better. Not so much because I'm I'm necessarily changing the way I, I trade, but I'm just trying to provide more opportunities, more trade setups, more actions, more things to work on. I'm trying to give you more advanced notice of when I'm going to be making a trade, where I'm going to be making it out. I think it's worth checking it out. Seven-day trial. Do try it and tell me what you think. Take care. God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePointer Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. 
With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash tradingblock. That's www.shareplanner.com slash tradingblock. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon. Thank you.